Welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of the Peaked Too Early Podcast. My name is Blake Munchell. I'm joined by the ever-lovely Oscar Saywell. Oscar, I'm not in the best of moods. How are you mm. doing? I'd like commiserations. I'm sorry that Newcastle did not manage to make it to the next stage of league. In this, the final ever uh, format, the current format of the Champions League, right? Um because we're no longer going to have this group stage system. Um, but, you know, I'm doing fine. I feel kind of bad for you. Um, also off the back of a bad weekend for West Ham. I think we play tomorrow, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking some football, hoping I can cheer you up. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. Um, I guess we should hop straight into the European side of things. Um, okay. I thought maybe we could sort of a uh, Europe in or sorry England in Europe uh, since Brexit it'd be nice to have a, a little reunion um, and we can talk about how English clubs did in the Champions League group stages now that they're all wrapped up yeah I think that's a good idea where do you want to start well it's a pretty polarizing you, you have two options those who ran their group and those who didn't uh, yeah, fair enough. I guess to start, we talk just Arsenal and City uh, and just talk about how, you know, they both didn't really come up against any real competition. Yeah. Uh, both of them had pretty, you know, cakewalk groups, but. Uh, right. I guess I shouldn't. Use yeah. That, but uh, walk in the park groups. Um, but yeah. Do you have anything to say about Arsenal and City? Well, yeah, I think Arsenal found its stiffest test in a group with, with well, with European pedigree in Sevilla, who only got two points, uh, finished fourth, and therefore won't even get the chance to win the Europa League again because they are completely out of uh, European competitions and having a really bad season. Um, you know, I think it was curious to see Arsenal uh, using... Um, different players in the Champions League this season and still coming out strong. So you saw the likes of Eddie Nketiah and um, uh, Leandro Trossard and even Mohamed Elneny, players like this getting a lot of minutes in the Champions League and them still picking up 13 points, uh, three wins, one loss and one draw. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Arsenal fares in the knockout stages. When I look at this team in the Premier League, I think it's well drilled, it's well oiled, and they have they have players who can make stuff happen by themselves. I'm looking at Saka, I'm looking at Leandro Trossard, I'm looking at Gabi Jesus, and I think that always uh, is something helpful for teams in the Champions League. I, I back this Arsenal side to to be able to get into the latter stages, and I think it it would signal step in in the Arteta progression if they did that um I don't see them getting to the final or really winning it but, but you sort of never know and and as for Man City I mean you know in a group with Leipzig young boys and honestly a team I cannot pronounce Chavana Svezda um they finished with 18 points uh you know they faced a little bit of competition with man with uh, RB Leipzig, who they played today. Uh, they put out a B side with like Oscar Bob up top, up top, and a kid called Micah Hamilton. I think his name is. I've never even heard of him. Who scored? Um, and it was it was a, a breeze for them. Um, and 
And I think that, you know, they'll they'll be as strong candidates to sort of, you know, win back-to-back titles because because why wouldn't they? Um so yeah, uh, you know, I think uh I think the group stages they never really show the a team is is going to you know we've seen teams finish uh second in a group stage before a distant second and still you know win win the whole thing i'm thinking of chelsea a few years ago um so so we'll see but i'm sure if i'm an arsenal fan and i'm a city fan i'm happy with the uh, champions league campaign so far yeah i don't know how you could really have any complaints um yeah on the flip side uh two clubs bottoming their groups one mm. we love to see one we hate to see i guess that's a little yeah. bit of karma for me um but uh both manchester united and newcastle united uh bottoming in out fourth. their group yeah. manchester united in very predictable fashion yeah newcastle united up until the last moment they had it uh it just sucked i know i know i know it does suck and i feel like there's a couple silver linings here if you care to hear them blake i the the term the term group of death is banded about a lot group f in the champions league this season was a true group of death you you had borussia dortmund paris saint-germain ac milan and newcastle that is a ridiculous group there's you know, there's four teams in there where it's really, really hard to beat them at home. Four teams there that have great atmospheres at home um, that make it really difficult to, to to sort of, you know, play against. You've got a team in Milan who have an incredible European pedigree, a team in Dortmund who, well, they topped the group at the end there, um, you know, with 11 points uh, and, and unbeaten as well. Um, you know, I, I think there's no shame to to you know coming out of that group with five points and yeah there's a few losses in there but you're a threadbare squad it's your first uh time in the champions league in in 20 plus years and you're against these types of teams um it happens and you know as i sort of texted you today i mean i'm sure you'll see many more nights uh like you had against psg when you beat them on on the opening day um ahead of you so chin up kind of thing i think yeah, um, I watched this at the pub earlier today. Mm-hmm. Shout out Fedos in Central City. Um, but we were talking about how Group F was pretty much the only uh, group that at the very beginning you weren't sure which way it was right. going to lay out. You know, pretty much all these other ones are predictable. Even people who are saying that Manchester United were a favorite to get out of this group. Like get get out like you know, Manchester United have not been better than Galatasaray for the last two and a half years, nor have they been yeah. better than Copenhagen. Um, you know, I could have told you that Manchester United would have bottomed that group. Uh, group F, you know, the group of yeah. death is the only one that was you know a pretty tough game uh, or a pretty too cr- pretty tough group. Yeah. On top of that, we didn't embarrass ourselves. We gave a game. No, to you did not. Dortmund uh, at home. Other than that, everything was super close. You know, if PSG didn't get a farcical uh, yeah. handball in the 98th minute, you know, it's this different. game wouldn't have even mattered, and Newcastle would have qualified for the Champions League anyways. Um, so that's the only thing I'm bitter about. The rest of it, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm proud of Newcastle's performance. 
you know, the benefit to this is now Newcastle have, you know, a couple fewer yeah. games to worry about. Um, yeah, and it's just unfortunately, yeah, we will still play four games in the next three weeks. Yeah, two, God, I know. Half weeks, so. uh, I mean, but. listen, it it does suck, and and uh, you know, I I. I it is it is experience though, right? And you have players in this team who are going to stick around for a long time and remember this feeling, and that can only be a good thing. Um, and no disrespect to these players, but it is frankly insane that you were competitive in the in a group like this with Jamal Lascelles and whichever Murphy brother plays for you, starting matches, and with a seventeen-year-old having to start in the middle of the park. And you know, I think they can take great heart from this. And now it's about it's about pushing through this winter period, isn't it? And slowly getting players back. I noticed that you had Dan Byrne on the bench today. That's a good thing. Um, he did, indeed. And um, and look, yeah, there's no shame. There's no shame in, uh, in losing out to these teams. Um, because, you know, they're very good. And, um, you know, I do like to see Dortmund topping the, uh, the list here um, as a club fan-owned sort of club and an historic one at that as well so um yeah too bad blake i do feel bad for you i'm sorry yeah no worries um just the last couple points on newcastle's european run um one the home versus psg will still go down as probably the greatest day oh god has to watching newcastle yeah um but like no matter what you know it's a net positive experience. Um, and two, uh, so in that second PSG game, uh, you know, in Paris, uh, Newcastle were criticized for sitting back uh, and, you know, allowing the pressure to build and then eventually conceding. And then tonight, Newcastle go for it the entire time and get criticized for that right. and concede and lose. So that honestly gives me a little bit of hope that you know it's nothing tactical you know there's not something like oh newcastle always sit back and always leak a late goal uh, because they can't cope with the pressure or like they put off the gas or they push too hard all the time winning in a or winning and losing in a variety of ways i think is much better than always losing in the same way every single time like manchester united um Right, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Um, I'm optimistic, and I'm very happy to just, you know, fewer games, get some more players back. You know, yeah. we're on the cusp of getting quite a few back for reals, so that's yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, uh, should yeah. we talk Europa? Let's uh, let's talk Europa. Let's talk Europa. Um, uh, um, you know, we've still got the. Uh, Fixtures tomorrow, I believe, right? Yes. Not that, yes, but not that West Ham are in. Uh, West Ham, Brighton, we play, Liverpool, yeah. and who else yeah. is? Those are the three in Europa? All three uh, of them already have. Yes. We're, I think everyone is Europe already through uh, with, the, with the English sides. I'm just taking a quick look, and yes, you're correct. Um, it's about topping the group for us. We are 
uh, on 12 points alongside Freiburg in Group A. Um, we have not had a difficult time in our group. Um, Olympiakos and the Serbian side Bakatopola um, were in the group with us. Uh, look, I mean, going away to Olympiakos, not super easy. Going away to Bakatopola on a Thursday, not super easy. But, um, you know, uh, we are a side that has... I don't even know how many times the budget of every team in this group, including Freiburg. So we should be getting out of the uh, of the group. And I'm glad that we will have European football in the new year because Moyes is good at European football, apparently. Um, and sort of speaking of Manchester United, Man U got to the latter stages of the Champions League last time they did it was under David Moyes um, in his 2013-14 season, where I believe they got to the quarters. So... Um, you know, we got we got a manager with experience then. Obviously, we we just coming off the back of winning a European trophy. Um, I'm most impressed, though, Blake, with the English sides, with Brighton's recovery. Because a few months ago, we were talking about how disappointed we were in their start to life in uh, in in Group B alongside Ajax, like Athens and Marseille. And they are sitting in second. They still have the chance to pip the group. Um and and they are guaranteed European football in the new year too. So, you know, that's exciting for Brighton fans as well. Um, yeah, what do you think about Brighton? Do you think that they can go really far in the Europa League? Or was this sort of one step too far for them this year? Well, you know, Brighton have been, you know, sort of a Jekyll and Hyde club all year. Um, mm. You know, this side that we were once talking about you know, their incredibly impressive depth. You know, now we're we're seeing like, oh, you know, with a few injuries, they're actually not they're not so deep, you know. They right, right. lots of promising players who aren't quite ready to, you know, step up. Um and that's sort of been shown by, you know they pretty much every week they're they're dropping one player and getting another player back. So they're not really playing the same side over and over again. I think that shows. Um, and, you know, they also have, like, these individual weak spots in their their side, which, you know, don't always help out. Um, but, yeah, it is impressive. Um, they are generally good. They seem to have, you know, I wouldn't say they're, like, in excellent form or anything, but I think they have, no. you know, written the ship um enough um to be formidable um yeah and i think yeah they're pretty much in an excellent spot to go through um i think brighton now come yeah it's firm yeah right? yeah yep they have 10 points yeah so like four. Yep. they can i think do they play marseille i believe uh, yeah, they, they play marseille, do play marseille tomorrow. yeah good game there's some benefits if they beat them some benefits if they don't um you know you can either take the game off you know you trust that you'll make it through the playoff um you let your players recover yeah uh, or you put Marseille to the sword try to go through yeah. the top you know then you get an extra week off and then uh, they you know kind of either way they go they'll have the week off that they want um, right and it's also just Exciting for the Brighton fans, frankly, isn't it? Playing a sort of European powerhouse, historic European powerhouse in Marseille for the chance to go top. 
Um, but I don't know if you agree with me, Blake, but when I look at the Europa League, I look at Liverpool and I look at Bayer Leverkusen as the heavyweights. Bayer Leverkusen because they're just waltzing the Bundesliga, you know, just re- playing ridiculous football. And Liverpool because, well, they shouldn't be in the Europa League in the first place. Um, so, you know, in fact, that would probably be a great final, Liverpool by Leverkusen. But, you know, I really hope that that we see new teams winning silverware in Europe because, um, you know, the Champions League has really become a place for the same sort of teams winning all the time. Um, and I know City sort of broke that mold, but then it's City and they, they have all the money under the sun. Um, and I, I would love to see the Europa League and obviously the Europa Conference League be those sides that that have new uh, sort of names on the on the on the uh, on the trophies every single year. And honestly, I'm kind of glad that Sevilla are out because Sevilla, if they're in the Europa League, they win it. So um, we'll see a new winner this right. season, and that will be fun. Yeah, that'll be nice. Mm. Um, I yeah, I think uh, if West Ham comes up against Liverpool at any point, I think West Ham beat them. But, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, West Ham, we we have the means to go far. I think we have definitely the means to get past the round of 16. I'd like to see us to get to the semis. Um, you know, uh, so it's exciting. I, I love the Europa League. Um, it's a great it's a great competition. Um, so, yeah, just uh, shout out. I just want to shout out to lose. In second in Group E, um, they have the chance to go through Union Saint Gilois. Uh, they they can get through as well, though Toulouse would have to lose haha, um, somewhat heavily for that to happen, and Union Saint Gilois would would have to win. I want to shout out also Carabag in second place in Group H, uh, level on points with Molder um, in third, but you know um, they have a chance to go through as well if they um, if they if they get a win. And uh, Rangers also, um, you know, big, big game for them this week because uh, they're in second. And obviously we saw them go deep in the Europa Conference League. Um, or was it the Europa League itself? No, it was the Europa Conference League a couple of seasons ago. And uh, it's good to have that Scottish representation given Celtic are absolutely dreadful in Europe. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, certainly. Um... Yeah, and that has been uh, England and Europe. Uh, yeah, may we one day see a reunion of England into uh, the European Union? Um, <laughs> I hope so. Okay, never gonna happen. But uh, oh. continuing talking about depressing things. Okay, want to talk Premier League? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I'm kind of, I'm excited in a way because I want to frame, can I just, I'm going to, I've been thinking about this for days. I'm framing this match day, Blake, or the two match days, I guess, because there was a midweek one in, in, in these terms. Okay. I'm taking a leaf out of Taylor Swift's book, Blake, and I'm telling everybody, I'm telling everybody, Blake, you need to calm down. Okay. Because I am just hearing the most ridiculous stuff on podcasts, on the television. I'm reading all these takes and I don't like them all. Nobody is as good or as bad as you think they are. I'm talking Villa. I'm talking Chelsea. I'm talking Man U. I'm talking Man City. I'm talking Tottenham. I'm talking Newcastle. 
Nobody is as good or as bad as you think, and everybody needs to calm down. It's December. That's how I'm framing this conversation. I know how you feel about that. Well, I'm but... happy you're framing it that way. I agree. Okay. Um, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. Um, no. You know, I would say there are reasons why each side is winning and losing right now, you know. Okay. But yeah, I agree. You can only look at them in this, you know, stretch of three or four weeks. Um, because, you know, next thing you know, if Villa lose two matches and, um, I don't know, Spurs Tottenham. win two, straight. Yep. Yeah, then all of a sudden everyone's back on, oh, Tottenham exactly. is easily going to win the league this year. Exactly. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, well, look, where do you want to go? Let's let's get the pain of of Newcastle and West Ham out of the way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I do. I just have one question for you that I'm quite curious about. What your answer is for Newcastle? Um, I'm not gonna make you dwell on it because I know it was not a fun four-one defeat for you um, at Spurs. But if you don't mind, I'd like to hear your thoughts if you have them. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I do have one question that I'm curious uh, about. What your answer is? Yeah, uh, let me do my, my just my overview. breakdown. No um, pun intended. So yeah, this can cover. You know, I can say the same thing about Everton that I did about that I will about Tottenham. You know, which I have for you know match over match over match. In the past ten days, Newcastle have played five matches. The ten outfield players have been unchanged in those matches and have played more than 91 minutes in all five of those matches. Um, Aside from physically, you know, mentally, how are you supposed to play a game every other day? Um, You know, it's, it seems impossible. Um, Yeah. You know, there's so much fatigue. You can see it that you can see the mental fatigue and see players making mistakes. You can see players, you know, teams like Newcastle play really well up until the 70th minute. And then you are, you Newcastle have a corner and four players have their hands on their knees and they're huffing and puffing. Um, you know, there is, the the will is there, but I think Newcastle's bodies and minds are just failing at this point. Right. Um, and go, Oscar, what is your question? I'm sorry. I have I have two now because just really fast because you talked about the squad. Is there a reason why um, Eddie Howe didn't use Lewis Hall more over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I I think this is like the only true valid criticism of Eddie Howe is other than the fact that he's like super boring. Um, but the mm. on the pitch and tactical criticism. Um, when Eddie Howe finds something that works, he is totally adamant in not changing it. Right. Um, which, you know, is a criticism of a lot of managers. Like, a lot of managers Moise. struggle with changing yep. success. Exactly. Um, until it's too late. So, basically, Eddie Howe has found that Lewis, or sorry, that uh, Tino Livermento is a phenomenal left back. Right. Um, and so, you know, he played him there because he doesn't want to move Trippier. Um, and the two of them have been like the two best players for Newcastle. So then Lewis Hall wants to play, well, like, you know, 
if he's not a left back, he wants to play in the midfield. But uh, Lewis Miley has come in and has cemented that, you know, number eight, number six type uh, transitional player for Newcastle. That would be Lewis Hall's position. Um, Although actually, you know, step back. Lewis Hall took the the open position in the midfield. But uh, Lewis Hall would have to replace Joe Linton because Eddie Howe is really weird about the where he plays players in midfield. Like he would never play Lewis Hall as the right-sided midfielder. Um, so, I'm sorry, we're talking about Lewis. Left, Lewis yeah, yeah. Hall so Lewis is Hall. stepping into midfield, not Lewis Miley. You know, Lewis Miley filled the position. Okay. Uh, if Lewis Hall is not oh. going to take over the I, I left back spot, he's going to uh-huh. move up into the midfield. Oh, that's interesting. But Joe Linton is irreplaceable as the left-sided right. midfielder, so he's not going to play there. Um, Lewis's Hall, Lewis Hall's next position is left wing, but he's obviously not going to take uh, Gordon. Anthony Gordon's yeah. spot. And then his fourth position that he played for Chelsea was a center back, a left-sided center back. But one, he's five foot six, and two, yeah. that's Fabian Scherer's position. So, yeah. Uh, Pretty much, he is a victim of having, you know, pretty much the only spots that we're not missing right now are the positions that he can play. It, is there an argument that Howe should have dropped Trippier, put Livermento onto the right, and put Lewis Hall at left back for at least one of these games? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Also, Lewis Hall has had an illness, um, which I don't mm. know how... I don't know how that impacts but eddie Howe is really weird you know he doesn't give anything away about injuries he lies about yeah. injuries all the time yeah um and he his lineups usually are just going to be you know if it got a result that's the one he's going to play yeah oh fair enough uh, I, I was really interested to hear what you had to say about that just because i've i've heard a lot of people sort of saying what's eddie Howe doing not playing lewis hall and that that makes a lot of sense Here, here's my real question my question to you, Blake, is how would you feel if Newcastle did dip into the Saudi League in January for reinforcements? And who would you take? Um, I do not support any sort of multi-club ownership. So I would not be comfortable in them mm. taking anybody. Um, unless the, if they pay a fair wage and a fair fee... I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, this is okay. the St. Maximin debate of last summer where you know people were saying like, "Oh, why didn't Newcastle just charge, you know, 150 million for Alan St. Maximin because they're owned by the same consortium." Right. Um, and it's because Newcastle have seen what happens to or I guess they haven't quite seen it yet, but they understand that, you know, they would put themselves under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. So they've played everything by the books. They're super squeaky right. clean so far. Um, so that's the reason why they haven't done it. Um, so I have less of a problem of Newcastle buying from the Saudi League as I do them loaning. I think loaning is like, you would never be able to escape the scrutiny. Um, no. Even if it's as clean of a loan deal as you can, 
people would still have an issue with it. You know, even if they took a hundred percent of Ruben Neves's wages, yeah. you know, there's still that criticism like, Oh, well, this loan can only be facilitated because the Saudi league bought him and paid the transfer yeah. fee already. So the relationship's already there, you know, whereas you never would have been able to make this loan from yeah. while he was still a Wolves player, um, which I agree with fully. Um, yeah. Buying is a little easier because you have transfer fees and you say, well, you know, they matched the fee, you know, the there's not as much criticism, although I still don't like it. Um, so I think your question is, do I see them doing it? No, I do not. I okay. They have stated that they don't plan on it. It's um, interesting. Yeah. All the like hubbub, including the emergency vote about uh, buying and loaning between related parties, was based off a you know uh, Daily Mail. Uh, yeah. Uh, like oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. About Ruben Neves, who has denied that Newcastle made an approach. Um, oh, he said he doesn't want to come. Yeah. Yeah, he's like one. They didn't. They didn't want me. Two, I don't want to go there. No. Um, yeah. Three, the money's really nice here. True. Um, for for the fun of it, can I throw you some names? And I just want a simple yes. Uh, I think that would improve the team. Or no, thank you. Yes, I will. All right, Marcelo Brozovic, Croatia and Inter Milan no. fame. No. Okay. Uh, Sergi Milinkovic Savic. Yes, he would improve yeah. Newcastle. Okay, I think so too. I agree with you. Um, Sadio Mane. He's Ooh. a very interesting one because the player, yes, but in the, the last personality? eighteen yeah. months, his personality has come through as a not so nice guy. Yeah. Um, and at times, it feels like he doesn't. He's, he doesn't really love football anymore. Um, yeah. What it feels like. Um, yeah. So I, I would say no. Kaladu uh, Koulibaly. No, he was horrific uh, when he played for Chelsea. No way in hell. Fair enough. Um, the last one that I'm going to throw at you, Blake, is a little player called... Um, Imeric Laporte. I'm curious about that one. Um, he's also an interesting one. Mm. Um, because I he he's one of those players where I truly don't know how good he actually was. Yeah, uh, was it just the Pep effect? Yeah. Yeah, is it the Pep effect or you know elsewhere? Because you know a lot of players get that treatment. Um, I would say yes because yeah. he's. Better, he's probably better than Jamal Lasells. So yeah, he probably you know, I wouldn't is. have yeah. him starting, but no, you know, you can do worse for a third center back. Fair enough. Thank you. That was a fun little exercise. I would love to chat about some of your predictions for the January transfer window because surely we're going to see Newcastle dip into it. I just don't see a world in which they don't. Um, uh, in you know, in a few weeks at the end of December, um, because yeah, well. Yeah, I this is kind of a good time to talk about it. Oh, we can do it now. Because Newcastle United are getting linked or like rumored to really strange like really strange rumors. Um 
players like Brian Brabi from Ajax and Nico Williams from Athletic Club. Oh, what a player. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're both tremendous players, but they... I don't really see how they would fit, you know? Like, I don't know, like, why would Newcastle buy another left winger? You know, why would they spend a lot of money on Brian Brabby to have him be the third striker behind Isaac and Callum Wilson? Um, you know? Like, yeah. honestly, Newcastle don't have very many spots to give away. It's just that everyone is injured for Newcastle. Um, yeah. So, like, they could use very short-term help at pretty much every position, but two to three months from now, they're going to have everybody back. Um, yeah. You know, that's I, the one long-term position, I think, would be the Tenali. Midfield. Yeah, it has to be, long right? loan. Which is why Calvin Phillips, who has been... Makes sense. ...widely linked. But I... One, I already disliked him as a player. I never rated him. Um, even when he was playing for Leeds, he was not a good player. Um, but on top of all of that, I would never trust a player who your manager comes out and talks so negatively about you. Um, yeah. I would never I want one of those I think, players. I think, I think he's a decent What about Jao Polinia of Fulham? Uh, of course. I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think that that could be a that could be a legitimate move. I think that could actually happen. To be honest, that'd um, be pretty filthy. But he seems heart set on Bayern. Yeah, but Bayern are Bayern going to come back in for him with that kind of money? I don't, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, maybe, maybe. But in January, it's not Bayern's style to do that. And I think uh, Newcastle can offer the bright lights as well. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. What about Amadou Onana from Everton? Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah, he's such a good player. He is a great player. I want. He's very loyal I, for some reason I to. Uh, yes, I was gonna say I cannot imagine him leaving Everton. Um, nor should he really. You know. No, he probably he probably should not in January. Tremendous. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I agree. I think that is the real, you know, the 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 spot that. Everyone is going to be thinking about okay. You need a midfielder. You need a midfielder, um, and and there's some options there. There is some options there, but I think it's going to be difficult because rightly or wrongly, other teams are going to look at Newcastle and think, oh, they have all the money in the world. I I understand, you know, mainly because you talk well about it, but that's not the way that Newcastle is approaching things. But it's still going to work against them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I think. I think Paulinho would be a really good signing because he can play. He can play that role well. Yeah. Yeah. My the only reason I say anything negative about that thought is that it seems like a pipe dream. Like it's way right. too good to be true. Uh, sure, sure. Sure. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Especially uh, given Fulham having back-to-back five-nil wins. So. Yeah, I suppose want, that's a good transition. We, go then. Uh, we can talk about West Ham getting swept. Let's First, do it. I want to know Destroyed. Uh, your opinion on, I think it was Alex Iwobi and was it Calvin Bassey rapping 
anti-West Ham lyrics in the locker room? Uh, yeah, uh, I have absolutely no issue with this, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's very cool. Um, it's, it's cool. Hilarious. I mean, also, I I love Alex Awobi, so he can. I'm just happy that he's having a good career, so he can do whatever he wants. Calvin Bassey, I could give a shit about, so you know he can also, I yeah. guess, do whatever he wants. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. They beat the shit out of us, so they can rap whatever they want. Um, yeah, to be honest. Um. Uh. Any explanation for how this happened? Yeah, man. I, I've been mulling this over my head. Look, I do want to shout out the fact that we beat Tottenham uh, in midweek. That was a great win for us. Very pleasing as a West Ham fan when we beat Tottenham, um, especially away from home. Um, but look, this Fulham 5-0, we have had this performance in us all season. Um, we have not been playing. I've been saying this for weeks. We have not been playing well recently. Against Tottenham in the first half, we were absolutely uh, literally, we were abysmal. Um, look, this Fulham win, we lost 5-0. Uh, and um, look, I think the Alvarez, Alvarez was missing. We had a few players in in this game um, through necessity. Alvarez was missing because he, he was ill. Anderson was benched. I believe he had uh, an injury that meant that he couldn't start. Um and and I think those two absences in particular, Alvarez and Emerson, meant that A, we could not dominate in the midfield, especially in the part of the field that's right before the final third, which is where Alvarez thrives. It's where he puts in the most challenges. It's where he puts in the most interceptions. It's where the most turnovers come from when we play. And then Emerson's absence on the left, I can't really believe I'm saying this, given that I sort of thought this was a really bizarre signing when it happened a couple of years ago. But Emerson's absence on the left meant that we had no threat down that entire flank. Um, it really, like, stunted that, that left-hand side. Pakatar is not a pure winger, uh, and he's not a defensive player, you know, on the flanks. He puts a shift in in the middle of the park. But, so, so you know, that left side was, was really just a weak spot for us. And, and I think that you know, there's just two main things. Fulham spreading the goals around, right, throughout the match means that uh, it, it, it's, it just speaks to us being off it throughout, right, from minute one to minute 90. We just weren't as good as them, which in a way is a sort of a bit of a silver lining because it was not a sort of stroppy capitulation after the 75th minute um, because players were annoyed at being 2 nil down and so they conceded three goals. Um, it just it just meant we were second best. But I think that the I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it again. The real thing here is this is what happens when you have a manager like Moyes who doesn't rotate properly. Um, you have three slash you know four players if you if you want to count Fabianski. Fabianski is a great goalie, but he had to come in because Ariel is injured. When you have three or four players coming into a side that is never rotated with the starting 11. And you've got a player like Aaron Cresswell, who barely has any minutes. Pablo Fornells, barely any minutes. Um, you know, and uh, uh, coming into the side uh, and starting and having to play all the, all, all, pretty much the whole match. You know, it just disrupts the flow of the team. It disrupts the structure. And, um, and this, 
I'm, I'm not going to say this is what happens because five nil is a bit of an anomaly. But yeah, a heavy defeat is on hand. Um, um back to back five nil wins um, is very impressive, and um, you know Raúl Jiménez getting a couple, and, and I think he has three and four, maybe four and four now. It's it's nice to see that happening for him, um, and and Fulhamer are a decent side again this year. Um, and they've been involved in some great matches recently. 3-2 against Wolves on the 27th of November. 4-3, of course, that early December Liverpool match where they lose. And then 5-0 against Forest, 5-0 against West Ham. And they, they've got you next, so that will be an interesting game. For sure. Yeah, Lord save us. Um, yeah, what a time to come up against Fulham. Uh, I know, uh, I know. Yeah, You'll be okay, uh, on... you'll be okay. Raul Jimenez, I will say, yeah. who would have known that it takes a long time to recover from an traumatic brain and head I injury. Well, I mean, he um, almost died, for God's sake. Yeah. Back. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, we talked, you know, once upon a time about, oh, you know, will he ever be the player he was? No, and uh, I don't think he will be, to be honest. I still don't think he will be, personally. But he's in a great purple patch. Um, yeah, he is. he is. Which is good enough. Honestly, um, yeah, yeah. What a time to be Fulham. Um, yeah, no, then... I. This is a purple patch for them, isn't it? Um, any concerns for you about West Ham, or was this just a bad day at the office? Uh, honestly, I didn't watch this match. Um, oh, saw like a part of it, but I was not tuned in at all, so I don't have much to say on the way West Ham played. Although, you know, I don't think a left-hand side of Pablo Fernals and Aaron Cresswell is a no, good idea. Bad. Um, I, was, I was looking at who scored to try to figure out, you know, what kind of happened in this game. Uh, they pretty much, you know, spread the blame around equally. Um, mm. Who scored's conclusion was, you know, pretty much everyone other than Caduce and Bowen, who were average, was poor. Uh, but that's it. No, you know, 3.0 ratings or anything. Um, no. You know, all in the, the high fives. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, this match seems like a one-off to me, you know. Um, yeah. West Ham have shown plenty of times this year that they're a pretty good team. Um, and 5-0... Usually, unless it's happening to you repeatedly, is just a bad day at the office. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, who else would you like to discuss? Uh, we have them. Um, Bournemouth. I want to talk about Bournemouth. Bournemouth went to Old Trafford. They put Man United to the sword. And I want to try and frame this match in terms of being positive about Bournemouth and not just like folks on Man U. Um, I, to the extent that that's possible. Um, and, you know, I, I think I, I want to do it by, again, highlighting Dominic Solanke. Um, you know, he's settling into a, a solid Premier League striker like we've been talking about. And I, I agree with what people have been saying. I don't think many of us saw him turning into a reliable Premier League striker when he made that. failed um but he's playing really well and if he keeps this up he's an outside shot for being on the plane to england um you know he probably have to have other players injured to to get there but um 
Bournemouth were excellent, and they were they were everything Man United were not. And I think it's it's really great to see Iriola and you know his philosophy come to fruition finally, uh, and then pull themselves well clear of the relegation zone and and be one of the form teams in the league, um, spreading the goals around and playing exciting football. Lest we forget, uh, Iriola was part of that. Um, team in 2012 that Atletico Bilbao team um, under um, what's his name uh, Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa under that Marcelo Bielsa Atletico Bilbao team that really sort of changed the course of football with the with the Bielsa ball style um, in the 2010s um, who went to Old Trafford and, and really destroyed um, Ferguson's uh, Man United, and now he's he's managing Bournemouth and doing the same. Um, and and I, I do love that. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, and they play exciting football. So I just wanted to shout out Bournemouth, really. And then I have a fun question for you. I'm curious to see what you think. But what do you, do you have any thoughts before I ask that question about this? Uh, well, one, Bournemouth are very good, um, which I'm glad to see. One soft spot for Burnmouth. Two, it makes Newcastle's two 0 loss look a little bit better. Very uh, true. And then my other thought is Justin Cliver is the first player to score a goal in all six of Europe's top leagues. No way. Are you serious? He scored midweek. Yep. Uh, which That's is awesome. wild about how much of a sort of a journeyman he's been at. He's only 24. Um, He's made lots of moves and lots of loan moves, which have helped him. Um, He's basically never been at the same club for two years. Yeah. Um, Wow. Apart from Ajax. Yeah, yeah. Um, So he's scored, yeah, in the top five plus the net, the Eredivisie. Um, Wow. uh, And then, yeah, my final thought. I mean, I could have told you that Ariola would be an incredible manager for Burnmouth. Um, mm. You know, he, you know, uh, I watched a lot of Raya Vallecano, um, and pretty much every week it was, you know, how amazing is it to have Ariola as your manager? Um, and so it's no surprise to me uh, that he is playing great yeah. football. Um, yeah. Uh, and I I guess overall, um, uh, where does it end for Burnmouth, you know? They have uh, a run of games coming up that is not horrific. Um, in fact, is, you know, pretty, pretty good looking. Between now and the beginning of February, they've got... Forest twice, Fulham, QPR, West Ham. Um, you have Liverpool at home. So, you know, they they have the setup for a really nice run here. Um, yeah, true. Did you say you have a question for me? I do. Um, right after I mentioned that, Stefan Jovetic, right? Uh, didn't he score in all the big five leagues? He was the first to do it, right? I think. Stefan Jovetic, ex-City player. Did he play in Germany? Yeah, he did. He played for Hertha. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, um, I think with um, with Cliver, it's that he did it in the top six. Right, right. Yeah, including uh, including the Eredivisie. My question to you is: Yeah, who who would who of the Bournemouth players would legitimately get into Man United squad this season, if any? Because I know you hate Man United and you like Bournemouth and you like hot takes, so I'm curious. I've got one, one guy only. Yeah, let me just flip maybe two. This squad. Okay, yeah, I'll give you two, three. Ooh, four. okay. Oh, I will not give necessarily you four the starting players. eleven. Just, just the squad. Yeah, yeah. You know. Right. I think five, maybe for the five. Squad. Oh, I, okay. I couldn't. Go ahead. Okay, I think Matthias Kirkish um, okay. is a tremendously fun footballer to watch. I think he is a great balance of defending and attacking. And I think he is Manchester good, United, who runs so hot and so cold at the wingback positions, um, I think he's the first name that I would say, yeah, United could use him uh, definitely. Um, because overall, you, like it's undeniable that United have talented players. But mm. One of their issues is that in any given week, only three of them are hot at the moment, and all the rest True. are in like this horrific cold phase. True. Um, you know, Diogo Dallo. You know, we've seen him at the top of the top, where we talk about, oh man, he is really in contention for one of the best wingbacks in all of football. Yeah. And then that one month ends and we go, how He's the terrible. hell is this guy still playing yeah. top professional yeah. football? Um, you know, same with Regulon, same with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you know, same with Luke Shaw, all these players, you know, they're way too hot and cold. Matthias Kirkage, my first player. Um, my next two are because Manchester United are doing whack things like, you know, putting on Johnny Evans. Uh, and so if they're going to play Johnny Evans, both Marco Sinesi and Elias Sabarnier wow. are more than good enough. Both of them are like four or five times the player Johnny Evans ever was. Um, mm. So, you know, I think because of their weakness in the back, I think either of those players could do a job. Okay. Um, I think Neto in goal. Ah, I uh, thought maybe you would say him. Andre Onana has to be at some point pulled out of the firing line. You know, he's good in the Premier League, awful in Europe, but there you go. Neto is your European goalkeeper. Although I guess now anymore... They don't need him anymore. Yeah, yeah, maybe you only play Neto in big games. Um, Maybe. And then uh, Luis Sinistera, even though he's not lit the world on fire, he is Mm, a player who is going to run and run and run his little heart out, um, which, you know, if you're not going to be a team that plays good, you better try. Um, and Manchester United are full of players who just don't do anything to help out their team. Hmm. Okay. I, I actually, surprisingly, my one player that I think could get into the squad, you did not mention, and um, it's Philip Billing. I, I think Philip Billing. Say that. I just, 
Yeah. He's such a weird player. I Philip Billing like is could, at least as good as Scott McTominay. Like I was going to say, he's like a Scott McTominay. Do Manchester United really need two Scott McTominays? Rex and Hogg would try to do something like play them next to each other in a double pivot. Um, oh, that would be absolutely sensational. They should bring back Mal and Fellaini and just like complete the set. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see why a midfielder would fit in there. Like, I was thinking about Lewis Cook just because he's kind of a, you know, Matt Ritchie type player. You know, we'll just absolutely bulldoze a player, um, mm. harden the tackle, uh, never really puts up much of a fuss. So, mm. you know, there's a benefit to having one of those guys in your squad. Fair enough. Um, but I just, I held off. Fair. Marlon Fellaini, free agent. So, Is he? He is. He just left Shandong Taishen in the Chinese Super League. He was there for quite a while. Well, he is, yeah. I wonder if he, I wonder if he uh, learned any uh mandarin chinese i hope so because if you're going to be there for four years you should probably try but yeah i guess it's a difficult language um 40 goals for shanghai i know it's insane what a player what a guy yeah what a guy what a guy yeah that that's pretty that's pretty impressive um Uh, um, okay that's all i have to say about them probably yeah uh, I got, you know, maybe two more I mean, interesting folks to talk about. Yeah, I got. Yeah, go ahead. I got one more thing that I that there's only one more thing that I want to do, and it's me doubling down on a take. So, you know. Okay. Um. First, it would be unjust for us to talk about football with talking without talking about Aston Villa Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, which follows two two back to back one nil wins uh, over City and Arsenal. Um, Aston Villa play a beautiful, beautiful football. That John McGinn goal against Arsenal, uh, just absolutely peachy. Um, very fun to watch. It was an excellent match. Both sides, you know, were impressive. Yeah, um, they were actually. And. Uh, yeah, but fully deserved for Villa. Um, it's just a question of how long can they keep this up, which... Well, this is... Yeah, this is my doubling down moment, because Villa are a sensational team. They've just beaten Man City and Arsenal back-to-back. It's amazing. But it's December. So, I don't... The notion that they're title contenders is ridiculous to me. If they keep this up, fine. I think top four is, like, genuinely in contention. But... To to put them in a title like a like I just I just don't get it I just it just it's so short termist it's like come on like I know they've been great this season but it is December and people just get so carried away maybe I'm being a Grinch but I just I I don't know man like I Arsenal were really good in this game too and I think they would have won it if they had just had a little bit more clinical finishing because they created the chances Odegaard could have had two. Yeah, and I, was gonna say, I don't yeah, remember they two didn't play right. for Arsenal. Uh, if they had anyone else, they might have gotten one. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I it would have been a totally different. Right, right. It would have been just a totally different 
different conversation if if Arsenal had won this game and they could have easily, so easily won this game. Um, uh, but Leon Bailey, Blake. My my question to you, because this guy is just playing like pure electricity this season. What what could Bailey have been without injuries? Because I think he he reminds me of Raheem Sterling at their respective peaks. The best version of Bailey is similar to the best version of Raheem Sterling. That's fair enough, I suppose. Um, but I, I guess you mean in the Premier League, because yeah. genuinely, when we when he first broke it through at uh, Bayer Leverkusen, he was absolutely sensational. Right. Um, yeah. That one year where he could do nothing wrong, um, and honestly, yeah. he kind of stayed at Bayer Leverkusen, you know, for way too long. Yeah. Um, I guess he he struggled getting the move because of the injuries. Yeah. Um, and then he was he Villa's record signing uh, at the time. Yes, I believe so. Thirty million in twenty twenty one, I think, was their record. Yeah, I think it was. It was like right after they got taken over. Um, yeah. And then he got the, the another long term injury. Um, honestly, he's a player who I think of as still being so young. One because you know he's missed so much football too because i find it hard to believe someone born in 1997 is already is 26 horrifying yeah yeah um yeah i'm actually looking at his profile did you know that he played in slovakia i did because he has that controversial history with uh craig butler the the football coach who adopted how many children was it? 20-something children for his football academy in the hopes that one of them would make it. And Leon Bailey is the one guy that has made it. And he took Bailey and his own biological son around uh, Europe trying to get them into clubs. And that's how he ended up in Slovakia. That That, that is a uh, an iffy story there. Um, so you should... People should look into it if they are curious. I've always wondered how that's going for him now when he's like a millionaire Premier League footballer. Um, and I know that uh, there's yeah. always been Phoenix, questions about... Phoenix yeah. sports management. There's always been questions about um, Craig Butler and like, you know, how he uh, treated it's... that kind of stuff. Um so yeah yeah uh yeah so super interesting um what do i think about leon bailey on his day incredible footballer um i think we were kind of robbed of his best days um he is one of those players who always surprises me his body type is just very strange Mm. he looks like Mm. he's he kind of has the body of a guy who's like five foot six or five foot seven, but you know, mm. actually, he's five foot ten or five yeah, foot eleven. Yeah, he's pretty big. Um, he he wanted to be a sprinter uh, in his youth. Yeah, he's got that kind of like broad shoulder and stocky upper body that yeah, you know, a lot of smaller players do. But he's having a good season. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and also incredible season. I think I mean, him, quite absolutely incredible season. And, and and also, if you just watch him, my god, like it's just ridiculous. Also, you know, in August, a male supporter harassed his like seven month pregnant wife with four with their four year old child in tow, and he like beat the shit out of the supporter. So that's also fun. Shout out that, you know, um, that is pretty I kind cool. of enjoy that a lot. Um, so that is fun. Yeah, Bailey. I mean, I think the only other thing with him is that, yes, injuries been hard, but at Leverkusen, he was always dogged by consistency questions. So he would have an absolutely astonishing season. And then the next season, even when he wasn't injured, he would produce not much. And so I'm really curious to see whether next season will be a down season for him. Um, you know, because honestly, I mean, at this rate, he can't. Keeping this up would be, you know, I mean, he'd be one of the best attacking wingers in the world. That's like, you know, for sure. So. Yeah, I. Um, I would love to talk to someone who watches a lot more of Jamaica um, about what his legacy is within the Jamaican team because, one, you know, the Jamaican national team repeatedly runs out dudes who are playing in, like, League 2 or, you know, in the USSL. You know, like, basically a step above amateur or a step above semi-pro players. Um. But then also have a guy like Leon Bailey, you know, and Mikhail Antonio and uh, Tosin Adarabayo. Um, yeah. But uh, Leon Bailey does not have a very good record for a national team that plays it against the likes of Haiti and uh, Aruba, you know, mm. or, you know, Puerto Rico. Like, you know, basically sides that only have amateur players. Um, Leon Bailey does not have an excellent uh, record for Jamaica. So, I wonder. Yeah. Maybe it's just bad luck, you know? Maybe he's he has to take off the international breaks to uh, recover maybe. from his many injuries. Fair enough. I mean, I think he he's probably one of those players whose body won't keep him going into his mid-30s, you know, at all. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, very fair. Um, and then, uh, uh, finally, I wanted to end this podcast talking about Everton. Yeah, Everton. Uh, cool. Who, I mean, if Resolve was a football team, you know, Everton would be thy name. Uh, yeah, truly. The, truly. Yeah, what Yeah. What aside, what results, um, yeah, they thoroughly deserved their win against Newcastle. Um, Goodison is a fortress. Um, it truly is. It always it has really been. Is always will be. That, well, it won't be because yeah, they're the kept them, or the, the place that kept them up. Um, yeah, it was, it's very funny that you say always will be. Yeah. Um, they're, they're ready to abandon it. Yeah. Um, and then against Chelsea, you know, Chelsea are no, you know, they're no Newcastle, um, but, you know, dismantled again. Everton now, you know, well and truly, like, super comfortably 
out of the, I guess not super comfortably, out of the relegation zone. But had they not been deducted points, would be way up the table. They'd be a point behind West Ham. Yeah, and I know it's crazy, isn't it? On top of all of this, all of this positive talk, all of this, you know, excellent on the pitch performances, you know, talks of more point deductions, uh, more chaos behind the scenes, more ownership stuff. Administration talks are back on. Seven 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 looks like they're going to back off and stop the the paying of the payrolls and all that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I said if Resolve was a football club, you know, if Chaos was a football club, Everton would be thy name as well. True. Got to be true. Um, The only thing I have to say about this, other than sort of also admiring Everton's Resolve, is Daesh in the mixer after the match. Four or five separate interviews he did. He chose to talk about Lewis Dobbin's goal. Lewis Dobbin, who came through the academy as an Everton boy, scoring a goal. And he kept saying, I loved Lewis Dobbin's goal um, celebration because it's none of that nonsense that you see nowadays with the dances and the synced up celebrations. He said that four or five different times to four or five different journalists in different interviews. Do you think that that has to be some sort of motivation tactic from Dice, right? These comments. Do you think he believes it? Yeah. Definitely. Is it? Is it? You think? You think he legitimately believes it, and it's not just a yeah tactic. Yeah, I, th- I don't I find it charming. I, I don't. I don't find it charming at all. I think it's. I don't boring. find it charming. I think it's a little bit silly, but yeah. I understand it. You know. Yeah. There is a ta- yeah. To be said about you know, you know, teams when they believe you know they're like the true blue collar, hardworking, yeah. you know, people's club. It does get something out of clubs. You know, Burnley made that their identity for years. And it kept yeah, them in the true. Premier League for a long time. Um, so, you know, I think you can just point to what Sean Dyche did with Burnley. And then, you know, you can see the parallels of what he's doing with Everton. You mm. know, just making them hard tackling, you know, good fundamental, good fundamentals and... Uh, you know, run your socks off, and it's working. Um, not sure what he means by, like, no dancing, because, you know, a lot of their players do dance when they score. Um, but you, I, you never see youngsters who score their debut goal, you never see them dance, because they're always too overwhelmed with emotion. Um I think that's kind of the silly part. You know, I'm sure if this was Lewis Dobbin's 25th goal of his senior career, he'd have a little bit more of a choreographed celebration. Um, mm, exactly. But yeah, what a goal. Um, yeah, great goal. Great hit. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, he played well. Uh, dude wore number nine for England, um, which is strange. Um, I guess he, at the youth levels, did play as a striker. Um, yeah. But um, in this game, he was, like, very, yeah, I feel like he was pretty uh, deeper and more central. Um, I don't know if I'd call him a winger or a striker in this game. Yeah. Um, dude, born in Stoke. Uh, do you think he was, like, uh, 
I can't wait to grow up and get out of Stoke. I think it's to Liverpool. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think he he was raised in in Liverpool. I think three cities that he's lived in: Stoke, Liverpool, Derby. True. Yeah, he was uh, on loan at Derby, ever present last season, right? Very true. Yes, and he was very good for them. Yeah, he was. Um, he was. Yeah. Um, good for Lewis Dobbin. Um, surprisingly, that's his eighth eighth appearance for them. Yeah, um, he's made bit part appearances here and there. Nothing. I straight up do not remember him ever playing. I, I don't remember ever seeing him, you know, in the past couple months. Yeah, well. Um, yeah. 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 Um, Oscar, did we receive any emails? Sadly, Blake, we did not. I got to start uh, doing my rounds and getting people to send. Me too. Me too. Send some emails in. Um, anything else you'd like to say? I am all good, other than uh, well done, because uh, I know it's hard talking about football when you are. The things will improve soon. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, of course. Um, First, I will push your uh, your prediction. Do you think Newcastle will turn it around on the weekend versus Fulham? Yes, I do. I All do. Right. Very fair. Um, I think West Ham will turn it around against Wolves as well. I hope uh, so. That would be nice. That would I'm be going nice. Craig Dawson own goal. Um, as like a you know, proper mixed emotions uh, type game. Uh, yeah. Well, Oscar, this has been episode 14 of season four. Uh, sure thank has. you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Um, in the meanwhile, please tweet at us, email us, leave us a review, yep. leave us a rating. Yeah. Uh, and until then, uh, until next time, take care. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>